It's good to be back in Alabama. I want to make one correction from Brother Moses, and most of you will know what I'm saying when I call Brother Sammy Brother Moses, right? I'm really not from Plains, Georgia. I live there, but uh, I'm not from there. I'm from further south, and I don't know if you're old enough to remember what that you know, means and what that conjures up in your mind, but I want you to know from the get-go that I am ultra-conservative. And you might pick that up while I'm preaching, I don't know. And let me announce to you, out of the chute, I will make no effort to be politically correct. I have always had a burden to be biblically correct. And if you're looking for a pleasing, uh, ear-tickling message, you probably want to exit right now. Because I did not come, I didn't come to scold you, but I did come to preach the Word of God. I remember when I was a much younger preacher, there was an elderly preacher in the congregation, and when he, when he went out after the service, he said, young man, God said, feed the sheep, not shear them. And I've never been one that wanted to shear the sheep, but I do believe in preaching the Word. And the Bible says the Word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And it is a discerner of the intents and the thoughts of the human heart. Brother Sam has not told me anything about you per se. But as I preach the Bible, there's a good possibility you might think that we've talked and that I might have read your mail. But I'm telling you again on the authority of this book, if you preach the book, God just has a way of getting into your heart and exposing the junk that's in your life that doesn't need to be there. And by the way, when you put up a shingle saying we're going to have revival, you are admitting there's been declension in the fellowship. Otherwise, it's an ultimate act of hypocrisy. When you put that up, you say we're going to have a revival. That means that something's gone wrong. You need a revival. And I want us this morning to kind of set the tone for the week. And I want to do it by reading the words out of Acts 10, verse number 33. You want to turn in your Bibles to that text. And these are the words of a lost man. A man who desperately wanted to be saved, but at this point in his life, he was not saved. And I want you to listen. Let God burn it into your heart the words of a lost man regarding what I think could set the tone this week for the revival services. Look in Acts 10 and look down at verse number 33. Uh, anybody in here, a Bible scholar, recognize who said this before I begin? What was his name? One of you Bible scholars. Who said this immediately, therefore I sent for you? That's what Brother Sammy did when he got ready for revival. I don't know if he really did that or not. I think he tried to contact Brother Smellfungus, and he couldn't come. And then I think he shifted to Dr. Dry's dust, and he couldn't come. And so he said, Brother Fred, maybe you can come. You didn't do that, did you? I hope. But in this case, this man was a Gentile, a lost man, a centurion, a dignified man. Uh, the rank in that army that day would probably be a lot like a captain today. But listen to this man Cornelius the centurion, a lost Gentile who wanted to be saved, 
And God had so arranged it that Peter the apostle would get over his prejudice and go and preach to this Gentile Cornelius. And this is what he had to say. Cornelius speaking back to the great preacher. He says, immediately therefore I sent to thee, and you have done well that you've come. And I hope that will be your attitude before the week is over. Not because of me, but I hope you can say, we've done well to put this together. It's on God's timing. And I want you to look at these words. This is what a lost man said to this man, Peter the Apostle. He said, now, therefore, you're here, and you're here to preach. And we are all here present before God. And we're here to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. I'm telling you, that's outstanding to me. It's hard to believe that somebody lost could utter words like that. I've never been around a saved person that came up to that. And yet here this man is so hungry for God and for a word from God. And when you come to the church house, that should be your primary concern and focus. The music is good, yes, but you need the word of God. God has ordained this book to preach the word of God, to preach it, to win the lost and to draw those in who are backslidden, that they might be revived. I want us to look at this this morning in this way. The words of a lost man now, desiring to hear a word from God, and he says this, we are gathered here, all of us, right here in the presence of God, and we're gathered here to hear everything God has commanded you. Hope that's your attitude today. I see in this passage this, number one, when we congregate, when we come together, whether it's revival or any time as the people of God, we need to come with a spirit of reverence. Do you, are you aware that we are here for the prime purpose of honoring and glorifying the God of glory? We're not here to entertain. We're not here to pat one another on the back. We're here before God to worship the God of glory. And I want to assure you on the authority of this book that if you worship God, every need you have is going to find its answer in him. But if you try to bypass that and put the focus upon yourself, you're going to be dismally disappointed. And folks, I think in the modern church, to a great degree, we've got it turned around. We've got to focus on us, on man, and not on him. And I want to tell you this. This is his book. I call it a hymn book, not H-Y-M-N, but H-I-M. This book from start to finish, is Genesis to Revelation, is all about him. It's about King Jesus. And when we congregate, when we come together, we're here for the purpose of honoring and glorifying his name. We need to come with a spirit of reverence. Did you come that way today? And I want to throw something else in. Hadn't planned it, but I want to throw something else in. I think the modern church has lost its fear of God. And I don't care how you translate the word fear. I know it means respect, yes. But every one of us need to fear God. 
There's a huge dis distance between God and man. The writer of wisdom says, God is in heaven, you're upon earth, therefore let your words be few. That's reverence. That's reverence. And I wonder this morning if you came in your heart with an attitude of reverence toward God. Did you come with an attitude of reverence toward the Word of God itself? We need to have a reverence toward God. We need to have a reverence toward the message of God. Let me give you a beautiful illustration of that. Turn back in the Old Testament. 1 Samuel chapter number 3. 1 Samuel chapter number 3. And I love to hear the pages turn. I hope you brought your copy of the Scripture. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Listen to this. This is Samuel the prophet now speaking to Eli the aged priest. And he says to the young preacher in verse 17, and he said, What is the thing that the Lord hath said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee, and more also, if you hide anything, and that means word, if you hide any word from me of all the things that he said unto thee. And listen to Samuel's response. And Samuel told him, if you got an old King James, every wit, every word, every syllable. And Samuel told him every word and hid nothing from him. And look at the response of the aged priest. He said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems him good. Now, let me ask you a question. You apply that to your life today. If there is today or throughout this week a word to you from heaven and it's a word of judgment, are you going to have the attitude that this aged priest had? Young Samuel brought a message of judgment because you remember he did not discipline his sons and they sinned against the God of glory. And God says, I'm going to bring judgment upon you for that. And young Samuel trembled to give him the message. But he said, oh, no, you tell me everything God said to you. Is that your attitude today? It should be like that. It should be an attitude of reverence toward God and toward the message of God. But a second thing is this. You need to come to the church house with an attitude of respect. And in this case, the respect was from this heathen, Cornelius, who was going to eventually be converted. He had such an attitude of respect toward the preacher. Brother Samuel, we've fallen upon dismal days in that sense. I can remember the day in my life when the preacher was held high. I can remember when my mother would invite the preacher to the house during the revival meeting. And I never liked it because she would make us stand back and let them eat first and they'd get all the good parts. But I'll tell you, it said something to me. It said, hey, we respect, not reverence, but we respect this man. He's a man of God. And we're losing that in our day, day. We need to regain that. We need to have an attitude of reverence toward God. And we need to have an attitude of respect toward the man of God. And I don't know a church that I know of today in the Southern Baptist Convention that has too much respect for its preacher. Old Dr. Criswell that pastored First Baptist of Dallas for 50 years plus. 
A young family was on their way one morning to the church house. There was a little junior boy in the back seat. And he just kept saying, hey, I can't wait to get to church to hear Dr. Criswell preach. And he repeated it. And his daddy turned around and said, son, listen, Dr. Criswell is not God. And the young boy said, no, but he's number two. I like that. And I'm going to tell you this, if you want the blessings of heaven upon Mountain View Baptist Church, you've got to respect that man. You've got to respect the spiritual leader. It grieves my spirit to hear people speak lightly of the man of God. And I know there's some big names in our day who've blown it, who've done horrible things, but that does not change the fact that God wants you to respect the man of God. You need to reverence God, you need to respect the man of God. But another attitude I see in this is this, and I'm having a hard time We need to have an attitude of reception. We need to have an attitude of reception. When this book is preached, do you really receive it? And I want to illustrate that from the Bible. Turn forward, if you will, to the book of 1 Thessalonians. Go to chapter number 2. If we properly receive the word from heaven, you know what it will do for you? It will change your life. You cannot be the same. You must receive it to the point that it actually changes life. Listen to it in verse 13. Are you there? Paul wrote, he says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Now listen to me. If a man gets up here and starts on current events and starts giving you book reports and starts rehashing the news, you know what I would do? I'd get up and walk out. But if a man gets up here and opens this book and preaches the unsearchable riches of Christ from this book, you owe it to him to give your undivided attention. I've been in some of the biggest churches, not as a preacher, but as a guest in the SBC. I've sat in the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas, and listened to that great man of God echo the Word of God, sitting in the balcony and looking around, and you would would be shocked at the attitude displayed by some of the people. Some asleep. I've seen the same thing with Jerry Vines. I've seen the same thing with Adrian Rogers. And when you come to the church of God, the church of the living God, and you don't give God your undivided attention, you are sinning against the God of glory. It doesn't make any difference who the preacher is, whether he's big name or not. You owe it to the God of heaven to give your undivided attention. And when you do that, listen to me, it's going to change your life. Paul the apostle got almost beside himself thanking God how they in Thessalonica received the word of God. It should be a life-changing reception. But turn back to the book of Acts and look in chapter 17. And it should also be what I call an intelligent reception. Now, I'm not trying to sound cute when I say this, but when I preach, I hope if you're getting it, you'll look somewhat intelligent. Now, don't take that offensively. 
Now, some of you are going to have to work on it. But a lot of times I'll say, now, if you got that, look intelligent. But now listen to this. Look in Acts 17, verse 11. Dr. Luke wrote concerning the Berean brethren. Listen to it. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, the ones we just read about. And they had received the word to the point that it changed their lives. But listen, these, the Berean brethren, they were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word, and here it is, with all readiness of mind. And they searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. And that's something Southern Baptists we're not doing today. We're receiving the word superficially. We're receiving the word where it stirs our emotions. And friend, listen to me. If it doesn't get into your mind and heart, it's not going to bring about the change. Do you remember when the prodigal son was in the far country? What does the Bible say about him getting up and going home? It simply says this. When he came to himself meaning when he came to his senses, he said, oh, how good I had it back home. And I'm headed back home in a repentant attitude. I looked it up again this morning. Repentance, now listen to me, is primarily in the mind, not in the heart, or not in the feeling, not in the emotion. I'm not against emotion. We are emotional creatures. We are to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, yes, with all of our hearts. But I'm telling you, if it does not register here, it is not going to last. And the Berean brethren, we have Sunday school classes. You might have one like that here, I don't know. But we have, we have Sunday school classes all over of what they call the Berean class. And that signifies these folks that when they heard the word of God, they were more noble. They were advanced over Thessalonica. Let me give you an illustration out of that. Do you remember how Paul had to deal with that church regarding the second coming? All you got to do is study first and second Thessalonians. They had it all out of whack. And the reason they had it that way, I think, is they were not receiving the word with all readiness of mind like the Berean brethren. Do you remember that they got so spiritual about the Lord's return, they began to quit the jobs. And they went out to the highest hill around Thessalonica, they put on their cinchin robes, and they stood there waiting for Jesus to come. You know what the great apostle said to that crowd? He said, if a man will not work, are you listening? Neither shall he eat. And I'm going to get on that one night this week about being a deadbeat. And would you believe, according to the Scripture, deadbeats are not going to make it to glory unless they repent? God does not have one good word to say about a deadbeat. A person that likes to live off the labors of others, something's wrong with that person. And we're living in a society that's permeated with the thought that it owes me something. And it's at the church house. 
And I'm telling you, according to the word of God, it ought not to be. We need to receive the word to the point that it changes our life. We need to receive the word, and we need to receive it like the Berean brethren. We need to receive it with all readiness of mind. James says we're to receive it with meekness. And that simply means we receive the word of God with a teachable spirit. I can't play God, but I can look out and almost tell on the facial expressions whether there's a meek reception. I've had people who just fold their arms, had a do not disturb sign around their neck. I'm just here. That's not receiving the word with meekness, my brother. You should have a deep hunger in your heart. I don't care how advanced you are, how far you've gone in the faith. Every time you come to the church house, you should have a deep, deep hunger for God and for his word. And then we need to move to this. Cornelius had an attitude of repentance. All you got to do is read the story, read the context of the verse, and you will see later on this unconverted Gentile that had such a hunger for God and a hunger for the word of God he was soundly and solidly converted. And the reason that he got converted was he knew, knew there was something wrong with his life. He was a good man, godly man, a generous man. I know he wasn't a Baptist because he was generous. But he got soundly converted. He repented. It's all through the story. It has been my privilege across the years to be an itinerant preacher, and to get into some of the third world countries especially, and to get in quite a few of the former Soviet bloc countries. Brother Samuel, you, I'm sure you already know this, but in Russia, in most of those countries, Romania, the Ukraine, uh, southern Siberia, all of those countries, when people come forward there, you know what they call them? Repenters. Repenters. I was closing a meeting one Sunday morning in the, the deep part of the southern Ukraine. And the service was already over. We had pronounced a benediction. The people were congratulating and loving one another. And we were going out of the building. And as I started off the platform, high platform, many steps to get up to the platform, there was an elderly lady, probably 80 years of age. Service was over. And she came up back stairway and looked me square in the face and through the interpreter she said I've got to repent I've got to repent and by the way in Russia when you go forward and repent they don't take it lightly they will take a microphone and shove it in your face and let you tell the congregation what you're repenting of how about that they take the gospel seriously out of the places I've been in the world that's my favorite place to preach because people there for their faith have to mean business but I want to say to you I believe the time's coming pretty soon right here when if you're going to be the real thing you are gonna have to pay for it if you haven't noticed our government's closing the door in a lot of ways you say, oh, that's horrible. No, it may be good. 
it may cause a purification of the house of God. And those who are here just to get and not to give, in all probability, they're going to go away. And if you're here just to get and not to give, you probably need to go away because you have not properly understood the Word of God. Cornelius had an attitude of repentance. Let me suggest a couple of things this morning I think we need to repent of as Baptists. I think we need to repent of doing nothing. Did you know that we are the most talkative people in the world? You know the deacon's prayer, don't you? It says this, Use me, O Lord, especially in an advisory capacity. You think that one through? And we just talk up a storm at the church house. We'll appoint a committee to get the job done, and somehow it dies in the committee stage. I've often said, if my back was to the wall, and I mean I was down and out financially, the last place on earth I would go to get help would be the average Baptist church. And you know why? Because I know I've been a Baptist a few years. They would want to appoint a committee to see if I was a worthy recipient. And I might go under while I'm waiting on the committee to decide if I'm a worthy recipient. Folks, we need to quit just verbalizing the gospel. We need to put it into action. We need to repent of our doing nothing. God said through the prophet Zephaniah, the day's coming when I'm going to search Jerusalem with candles and I'm going to punish the men that are settled on their leads that say in the heart, the Lord will not do good and the Lord will not do evil. And I'm afraid we've got a host of folks that fill up our churches that are just in that category of doing nothing. We need to repent of our bad attitudes. Oh, Dr. Havner said it one, this way one time. He said, if it takes two cups of coffee in the morning to get you to where somebody can speak to you, you know what you need to do? You need to come to the altar. Do you know anybody like that today? Now, don't, don't, don't punch your husband. Do you know anybody like that that just gets up habitually on the wrong side of the bed with a bad attitude? Did you know that's sin? And did you know God's going to hold you accountable for that? Look in your Bible in the book of Ephesians. Turn to chapter number 4 and listen to this. Paul's writing now not to the pagan, but he's writing to the church of ancient Ephesus and in turn writing to us today. Listen to this in Ephesians 4. He says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Did you know you can cause hurt to the heart of God? You and I, finite beings, can cause hurt to his heart. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. And here are some things just among other things that cause him grief. Oh, bitterness. You ever met a bitter Baptist? I heard one preacher say, I'd rather deal with a bootlegger than a bitter Baptist. But all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, that's what people do in a Southern Baptist church in a business meeting when they get up and say, let me tell you what's on my mind, and they've never had a serious thought in their life. That's clamor. That can put it in reverse. I've been there and seen that. 
Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And here it is. Dr. Criswell calls this the sweetest verse in the Bible. Listen to it. If you've got a bad attitude, listen to this. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now, I might be speaking to somebody here today, and you're having a hard time forgiving somebody. Could I remind you of what he has and what he continues to forgive you of? And I think if you can remember that and make application of that to your heart, it will enable you to be a forgiving person. I could go on and on this morning. There are a lot of things we need to repent of. Need to repent of habits that are not becoming as a child of God. You know what I'm talking about? Not being a legalist? Somebody asked old Dr. Havner, why don't you ever preach on tobacco, on smoking? And you know how he responded? He used the word tobacco and called it terbacky. He said, I tell my crowd to leave it on the doorsteps. And I can guarantee them neither the hogs nor the dogs will bother it. Do you have something in your life today, a habit, and you know, and you know that God knows that should be no part of a child of God? I hope you believe in total abstinence. I don't think a Christian or believer should in any way, form, or fashion partake of alcoholic beverages. The scripture says that wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Let me give you a little Collins translation of that. I believe that's saying this. If we use that stuff, not only are we sinning against the God of glory, we're doing something that's mindless. And we live in a day when Christians are trying to walk up to the edge, get just as close as they can to the way of the world, and still maintain their faith. And folks hear me today, I honestly believe we ought, there ought to be a distinctive difference between us and the world. And the third world countries I've preached in, they don't tolerate any of that stuff. As a matter of fact, I preached in Brazil in a church, and in the foyer of the church, they had a list of, of, made up of those who didn't tithe. And at the end of the service, the pastor would call them down, and they'd pray for them. What do you think about that? That's meaning business, isn't it? I just hope and pray today as you come today and hopefully you'll be here tonight, God willing, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. I hope that you will come with an attitude like Cornelius. Reverence in your heart, respect for the man of God, receptive in your heart to all that God saved, and above all to have a repentant attitude. Now, if you haven't heard what I've said, listen to me. 
I want to quote Dr. Haven again. He said this in his day. He died in 1986, 85 years of age. And he had preached all over this country to call people back to the ways of God. And he said this before his death. The situation, he couldn't say the word, he would say situation. He just couldn't pronounce situation. But he said the situation is desperate, but we aren't. Would you think that through? If you've got any spiritual perception today, you know the situation's desperate. And now I'm fixing to get some folks mad. I do not agree with the liberal policy of our White House, but I want to tell you something. The real trouble is not at the White House with Obama, though there's a lot of trouble there. The real trouble, insofar as you and I are concerned, is at the house of God. Let the people of God be the people of God. The salt has lost its savor and it sets forth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men, said Jesus. Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works. Not words, but works. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. I don't know about you today. I can say for myself, the attitude of Cornelius condemns my heart. A lost man so hungry for God and so hungry for a word from God falls on his face in repentance. You need to do that today. Let's stand to our feet.